you. We thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for our church family. We thank you, God, for uh, friends, God, uh, across the world. We thank you that missions are still alive and well. We thank you, God, that you're still on the throne, that the church is working throughout the world. And God, we're so grateful for that, God. We know that your church, God, the gates of hell will never prevail against the people of God. And Lord, your church, you'll have a remnant that will be strong and faithful and powerful without spot or wrinkle, God. And we know you're coming for that church and that bride very, very soon. And God, we want to just work while it's day for the night comes when no man can work. So God, let us be busy doing the will of the Father until you come. Lord, we love you. We give you the praise. Speak to our hearts today, God, through this message, God. Let it be rich. Make it come alive to us, God. Without your spirit, it's just, it, it, it can't. Uh, Lord, these are just words. But Father, your spirit. Spirit brings life, and oh God, just illuminate our hearts and our minds, and God, let this be revealed to us, the rhema word of God revealed to us, God. Just take it and just explode it in our minds and hearts until we, where we just get it, God, and it's from the Father. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to us, but God, you have, and so do that today through us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. I was really uh, seeking the Lord. I've been thinking about a lot of things since we talked about the beginning of the year with God talking about foundations and wanting to really build foundation on the foundation of Christ and wanting something solid for us to stand on. And that's why we started with the covenants because uh, aren't you thankful for the covenants that God established leading up to the new covenant where, where he would come the covenant last week. We read a couple of verses where he actually, he and the father coveted before the foundation of the world. He became came the covenant. He fulfilled it on our behalf. And uh, man, we enter into it by faith. And uh, it's just absolutely powerful. It's sure. It's steadfast. And so I was really seeking how, how do I how do I transition out of that? What are we going to next? And uh, man, the Lord just uh, uh, dropped something that uh, I, I'm gleaning a lot of this from somebody, so don't take credit for, for all of this. It was just so powerful, but I feel like it's what the Lord has, has, has led me to do. I want to talk about, and there's many people that have preached on this, the last words of Jesus uh, from the cross those final statements that he made, but I want to I bring them from someone that I really gleaned uh, uh, the, the, of, of taking these to a, a new level, uh, so to say, uh, and, 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 and putting them back to the covenant, that each one of these are covenant statements that Jesus is making. You know, the, the Bible says that, that Jesus did nothing without the Father. Uh, the, he only said what the Father told him to say. He only moved and did what the Father told him to do. So that, thus... These are not just random statements that Jesus is... These seven statements that we have that come from the cross are not just random words like he just decided to say while he's hanging on that cross. These have to have some significance to them. If they come from the Father, if these are, if these are the words of Christ and these are his final words as a human being on that cross before he sheds his blood and dies, there has to be something profound in each one of these statements. And I'm going to tell you what, they absolutely are. This is a conversation between him and the Father that's going on on that cross during these hours. And it is more than meets the eye right there. It is the covenant statements that are going on between the, the Father and the Son. And you're going to see how these things are just absolutely, if you'll lay hold of these each week, your faith will explode. And you'll just see what is going on in these words. These words, are, as I said, are not random. They are, there is 
is a sweet sequence, and the words themselves are so, so very, very important. In fact, the cross was on God's mind from the very beginning, from the foundation of the world. We know that the cross was on, was on God's mind from the very beginning, from the foundation of the world. We know that the cross was on His mind from eternity past. We know that everything has culminated to hinge on this one event in human history. I mean, right? I mean, yeah, it's good that He was born a virgin. I mean, that had to happen. It's good that He walked and lived a sinner life that had to happen but we are at the place that all I mean he has this is why he has come he is about to be suspended between heaven and earth and pay for the sins of the world amen and so this is it this is what was prophesied uh, all throughout the Old Testament. This is what, this is choreographed in the time of God. This right here is choreographed, these statements by God from before the foundation of the earth. And these statements are profound. And today we're going to look at, well, well, let me say this, three of them, three of those statements are made in the morning. The Bible tells us they're made that morning early, about 10 o'clock, maybe at 9, 10 o'clock clock you know he's had his trial his his foolish trial they've uh, the, the, this kangaroo court so to say he's gone before Pilate's gone before Herod all these things now he's coming and uh, and, and he's uh, uh, being led to the cross and then he comes he's crucified and he's put up on that cross and now these statements begin to emerge maybe about 10 o'clock or so three statements come forth and then there's this period of silence that goes on for a long period of time the Bible tells us, and darkness begins to descend on the earth. Josephus and other writers tell us this darkness was so dark that nobody could work. It just began to descend, the cloud coverage and the darkness began to come upon the face of the earth. And, 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 and you know, and, and, and uh, uh, Jesus is basically saying to Satan, uh, God is, this is your hour of power. This is your hour of power. Come on, give it your best shot. Now is your turn to, to give it the best shot you've got because you're going to fail devil you're going to fail right here on the cross and out of that emerges all of a sudden out of that dark period of time when hell is throwing its fury at the son of God out of that four, the, out of that darkness uh, there comes a period and the last four statements come and they're all quotes from scripture all four of these last statements and, and they're amazing and again they are just absolutely profound here's the words we'll look at we're going to look at, at over the next seven weeks we're going to see, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's one of the statements he makes. That's what we're going to look at today. And we're going to find out, what does that mean? What is he saying as he's talking to the Father on that cross? Who are the them? Who is he talking about? And then he says, he comes and says, today to one of the thieves, you shall be with me in paradise. We'll look at that next week. You shall be with me today in paradise. And then he moves in later, and he, that third one, before the dark has come. Woman, behold thy son. That's not just a random statement that he's making there. You would just look at it and read it on the surface. Why is he just 
saying this word? Is this just happenstance that he's saying, hey, mother, uh, you know, there's your son, John, and John, take care of my mother? No, there's something deeper there. There's something more profound going on there that meets the eye. There's this silence that takes place. And then we come and we emerge and he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Then then he says, I thirst, I thirst. Why is he saying that? What does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with mankind? What does that have to do with eternity? What does that have to do with covenant? Then he says, it is finished. And then, Father, into thy hands, that seventh statement, I commend my spirit. I lay down my life and I take my life up again. Nobody takes it from me. Father, he starts with Father with a prayer and he ends with Father with a prayer. Father, there's there's something going on here that's absolutely amazing in these statements. And so let's look at number one today. Father, and you can be turning to Romans 5 because that's where we're going to park in a few minutes and show you something there in Romans 5. But the Bible tells us this. He says, Father, forgive them. Number one, Father, forgive them uh, is a powerful, powerful statement that he makes right here. Uh, and, And what does the word of God have to say about forgiveness? Forgiveness. You know, forgiveness, uh, one definition is this. Forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings and attitudes regarding an offense. It overcomes negative emotions such as resentment and vengeance, however justified it might be, and then forgives the one who did them wrong. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to slow down. Forgiveness Because we've got a lot of problem with this today in the world. And worse in the church. If you're holding a fence, hopefully today you'll see that there is a power available to let that thing go. Forgiveness is the intentional and voluntary process. Intentional and voluntary process by which a victim undergoes a change in feelings... And attitudes regarding an offense, it overcomes negative emotions such as resentment and vengeance. No more of that old covenant father break their teeth. Come on. No more of those prayers. We don't pray that in the new covenant. We pray God save them. We say God forgive them. God deliver them. I don't care how wicked they are. God forgive this is what we're seeing prayed here. Father, forgive them. There comes negative emotions such as resentment and vengeance, however justified it might be, and then forgives the one who did them wrong. So what does the Word of God say about forgiveness? When you read it, it's shocking, actually. It's very shocking and very difficult. Luke 17, 4 says this. If a person sins against you seven times and repents and says, forgive me, then you must forgive. If you're like me, some of us, we're not that spiritual, are we? Come on. Let's be honest. If Daniel comes up here, I heard this example of Daniel from someone. If Daniel comes up here and kicks me in the leg... Y'all would all look like, what in the world is he doing? And I would step back like, what up? And I might forgive him. But if he comes up here and kicks me in the leg a second time, and a third time, 
All of a sudden, whoa, buddy, we, you know, I'm going to kick, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to kick him in the leg so he can see how to forgive. Right? I mean, that's what the flesh wants to do. Much less seven times he's telling us right here to forgive someone. That's what Luke says. Peter, they're all hearing this, all the guys there. If a person sins against you seven times and repents and says, forgive me, then you mean, verses 21 and 22, we have a conversation going on, and I'm sure he's heard this seven times. In fact, if you go to Amos and you read in Amos, there are a lot of forgiveness. In the Jewish Hebrew time, they based it on Amos because there's a, a I mean, for three chapters there, it starts saying about, uh, uh, about forgiving a person three times, but a fourth time judgment uh, is coming. God's bringing judgment. And so a lot of times they base that on that three times. So Peter's going to get real smart here and he's going to double the average, man. He's going to, when God asks him, how much should you forgive a man? Because this is, the, this is a chapter about forgiveness. This is about a chapter about all kinds of things here. And listen to what he says in chapter 18, verse 21 and 22. Then came Peter unto him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Luke said seven. You know, so seven. Hey, back in Amos, a lot of the, lot of the rabbis and everybody teach to maybe three times. But on the fourth judgment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double it out there to seven. So that's a good answer, isn't it, Jesus? And listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto you seven times, but until 70 times seven. 490 times a day. If, if Daniel kicks me in the leg, comes up to me and says, forgive me. And he kicks me again and he kicks me 490 times. I still have to offer forgiveness. How do I do that? How in the world do I do it? Jesus, it's impossible. But Jesus is referring not to just my wife asking me, do you forgive me, honey? Yeah, I forgive you. How do I know if I really, how do I weigh the heart? How do I know? How, you know, sometimes our emotions don't catch up with our heart. How do I know if I've really forgiven my wife? How do I know? Yes, honey, I've forgiven you. But, but, but how do I know what's going on here? That's what Jesus is getting down to. He's getting down to the heart. Do you forgive from the heart? That's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. And forgiveness is a, in the natural is impossible because we're emotionally bankrupt as the people of God. And so it's important, but, but, but it's vital. This forgiveness is absolutely vital in order to get into the kingdom of God. That's why this statement is starting here with a covenant. That's how I know this is covenant is because he's starting with a statement about forgiveness. And that's the first step to getting into the kingdom of God. Come on. Adam's sin fell in the garden and he's outside. He's now outside of the kingdom of God. He must have forgiveness in order to get back into the kingdom of God. So these are not random statements. They are sequential and God is doing something here. And that's why when this cry comes out of this first statement, Father, forgive them. Hopefully you're going to be turning cartwheels and see how powerful that statement and that prayer to the Father was for you and for me. It's entrance into the kingdom of God. And so how, when we are so wounded, where do I find the capacity to forgive like that? Where in the world do I find it much less three times or seven times or 490 times? Or really when you get to the new covenant and you get to all of this, you're going to find out a million times I can forgive. That went flat, I can tell. 
And we're not talking about small things, like a tiny kick in the leg. We're talking about big offenses. Like it goes on to say here in this chapter. Listen to the rest of this chapter. That it goes on down to after Peter. This whole chapter is on forgiveness. He talks to Peter and then he comes down and, and listen to what he says. Uh, uh, it, it, the 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king. Which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon. One was brought unto him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now that's a lot. That's like a billion dollars. Okay, It's a lot of money. We're not talking about a little bit of chunk change. But for as much as he could not pay his Lord, he commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children. So this this master has said, you can't pay me? Then, then I want your wife, I want your children, I want everything you got. And here's what he said. And, and, and all that he had and payment to be made. Sounds like Adam to me. Sounds like the fall of man. Sounds like a debt so deep and so high that nobody can pay their way out of it. Sounds like the heaviness, the wage of sin to me. Sounds like the, 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 the all has sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the servant therefore fell down, worshipped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Isn't that foolish? There's no way this man can pay this. He could work the rest of his life and there's no way. Just like man cannot pay his own sin debt. There's no way. What can you do enough to ask God to forgive you for the foul things that we've done in our life? There is no way you can work the rest of your life trying to please God and it would never be enough. And then the Lord said to his servant and was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him his debt. Isn't God good? God so loves the world. But the same servant, hear me well went out found one of his fellow servants which owed him a hundred pence that's like three hundred dollars two hundred three hundred dollars he owed a billion dollars this guy owes about three hundred dollars and all of a sudden and he laid hands on him took him by the throat saying pay me what you owe me and listen at the words and his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him saying have patience with me and I'll pay you same words And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. If he puts this man in prison, he can never pay the debt. Care if it's $100, Raymond, how are you going to raise $100 in prison for the rest of your life? So when his fellow servants saw what he had done there, they were very sorry. They came and told their Lord what was done. Then his Lord, after that, he called him, said unto him, O you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you desired it of me. Should not also you have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord went forth angry, wroth, and he delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him, which there's no way he'll be able to do it now. And so likewise shall my... Here's the scary part. Here's where it transitions from parable into reality. And I want you to hear it, and I want you to hear it well. I want me to hear it. Listen to what it says. Verse 35, you ought to circle it, highlight it, because this is serious and sober words right here. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts. Forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Oh, I forgive you. But I'll never sit talk with you again. 
That ain't forgiveness from the heart. Oh, I'll forgive them, but I'll never have anything. And I hate this little thing. Oh, I, I love them, but I don't have to like them. What a stupid statement. Are you kidding me? I'll love them, but I don't like them? How can you love somebody you don't like? Who are you fooling? The same will happen to you if from your heart you don't forget, forgive them. But it's impossible. How do we do this? How in the world is this going to become possible? And I'm telling you, it's linked to this up on the cross. How do you forgive? There's a, there's a pastor I listen to. He tells the story about a mother that came in for counseling. Somebody asked him to do counseling to this woman and their daughter. And he agreed to do that. And the woman came in and the daughter, and they were estranged. They had not talked or spoken to each other for a long period of time. And they come into the office and he begins to ask the young lady, tell me the story. What's going on here? And the, and the daughter said, well how in the world can I forgive her my mother because I was a little girl and I remember as a little girl my mom and dad arguing in the house and I was so scared and I was telling them please stop arguing please stop arguing and they kept on arguing and they went into the kitchen and my mom started cooking and chopping up something with a knife and my dad kept on and my dad kept on and they kept arguing and finally my mother turned around and she stabbed dad and he fell on the floor and bled out and died and we haven't spoken since. Live in the same house, but we don't speak. How, how, how when the grievance is that deep? How, how when the pain is that real? How, how, how in the world do we, do we move into this? How can we forgive and, and, and truly do this? Look at, the, look at the next slide. That's where we come to the statement on the cross. Well, let's go... Uh, Hold off. Go to the garden. The picture of the garden. Here, here, here's Adam in the garden. And as we said, he's in relationship with God. And all of a sudden he sins, the Bible tells us. And he's, and he's moved out of that place. Out of that place into the garden. He, 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 he's, Adam's sin, take him outside of the garden and outside the trees. Go to that next slide and look at that. I mean, that, that's what happened. He moves outside. And now Jesus is on the cross. And something's going on. Adam is sin. Adam is transgressed. He had one commandment. One command. Don't eat of the fruit of the garden. Uh, or don't eat of that one tree in the midst of the garden. And Adam transgressed that one command. And so Adam now is moved outside of here. And now we have Jesus going on the cross. And God's about to deal with Jesus. And there's this covenant relationship that is going on and taking place there. And the first words that, 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 that God is, is, is divvying down to Jesus because we said those words are coming from the Father. The Father is telling him what to say, what to do. All, all this whole life, things are going on. The Word, the Spirit is, is, is relaying to him. And all of a sudden, now we're going to hear the first words back to God while he's, while he's redeeming mankind on the cross for Adam. And it's, it's just absolutely wonderful what's going on. And the first statement that reaches up to the Father through this prayer from the Son is, Father, forgive. And he Showing us that with the Father, there is plenteous 
forgiveness. He's trying to show mankind that with the Father, there is no lack of forgiveness. That it doesn't matter how big the sin is. It doesn't matter how great the transgression is. All the sins of mankind can be forgiven because my Father in heaven has that much forgiveness in His power. He loves the world so much that He wants to come and die for them and forgive them from all their sins. And they can't even get back into the kingdom unless they are forgiven. Do you understand? You can't get back into the kingdom unless you're forgiven by God. And so they are here and all these seven statements form this new covenant basis. This, this, the, the basis of the new covenant and forgiveness is the way that we enter into the kingdom. And these covenant statements are being made. And forgiveness is a covenantal promise. And it's going to be the first one that we see here. That Jesus reaches uh, to, to the source that the Father has for us. And the Father... It, it, Absolutely that this forgiveness is available. He lays hold of it. And here Adam, we said sinned. He was taken outside of the garden. The garden, as we said in the covenant messages, represent the, the, the presence, the power, and the provision of God. It's relationship with God. It's life with God. And if you eat of the tree of, the, uh, of good and knowledge, uh, the, the, then all of a sudden you are going to, it's called sin. You're going to be separated from me. And you're going to be outside of the garden. And my my son is going to have to go down and going to have to redeem mankind on the cross. And the son agrees to go down and to do that part of the covenant. But he says, in, in return, I want some things for myself in the covenant. And we looked at that last week in John 17, where he asked some things of the covenant. I want them to be where I am. Where, where I am, there they may be. And, 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 and just like we are one father and you're in me, I want, I want to be in them. And I want them to be one with us. And so there's these things that are going on that are absolutely awesome. But I want you to see what's really happening on this cross where he makes this statement where Adam sinned. It brought, it brought death upon all mankind. And then go back with me uh, backwards to Romans 5. And I want you to turn with me in Romans 5 where I told you to open your Bibles. And I want you to see this because this is key for understanding this today. Look at what it says here. Romans 5 verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man... Adam, wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered the world and death by that sin. And so death passed on to all men and women and children because of one man's offense. What was the command he broke? Don't eat. One command. God gave him. He transgressed the command. And now death has come. And now death has been passed on to you and me. Thanks, Adam. Right? Come on. It's been passed on to you and to me. Because the Bible says, all have sinned. Now look at verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive the abundance of grace... And the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So there had to be an answer to the transgression and the sin problem and the death problem. And guess what? Jesus is the answer. Now look at verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense, 
of one judgment came upon all men condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one free gift came upon all men justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinner, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So Jesus is on the cross. And, 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 and all of a sudden from the cross, and remember, Hebrews tells us he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So on that cross, he says, Father, forgive them. Now, we ask, who are the them? Right? Who are the them? Well, we could say everybody from the cross forward is future. Right? He's hanging there. Everybody from the cross forward, he's dying for them. We could also say that, that, that also present is a thief that we're going to see next week that says, hey, if you're who you say you are, you can forgive. How about remembering me when you come into your kingdom? How about offering me forgiveness? That's the entrance into the kingdom. And here's what he says. Not next year. Not when you die. Not, not last week. He says, hey brother, today, today, when I say, Father, forgive them, today you can be with me in paradise. Covenant relationship is going to be restored right here. And you can be with me. And you can have access to my power, to my presence, to my provision. You don't have to wait. It's, I'm the same yesterday. Today you can have it. And forever tomorrow. But what about past? What about Adam? He is the original transgressor. He broke the real commandment. So what about Adam? The sin problem originated with him. By one man came sin. By one man came a transgression. By one man death passed on to all the human race. And this sin nature we struggle with so often. And the sin problem originated with Adam. So that was the original transgression. So who's, what's going to happen to the original transgression? Something's got to be paid for the original acorn of sin that came about. Am I right? And so Jesus, I believe, on that cross is looking all the way back to the garden and He is the second Adam and He is dealing with the very first transgression of the world. See, it's not sin just missing the mark. When you have a direct commandment from God, it's far worse to break a direct commandment of God than just to casually miss the mark. He is, Adam has broken a direct command of God. It's serious. It's serious. And so we've got to go back and we've got to deal with this original transgression that was brought on mankind. And because of it now, all men sin. All sin that you've done. Is, a, is, a, is from that original one. It branched off of that original sin. That's where it came from. That's where the axe has to be laid to the root. That's where it has to be stopped. Because everything else has just sprung off of that original transgression between God and Adam. 
And so Jesus is suspended on there. And Adam, listen, it must be dealt with because man is now outside of the fellowship of God. Man must be forgiven to come back into relationship with God. God wants man to be forgiven. God has to make a way for man to be forgiven. And so God is doing that. And so Adam's sin is covered, but it's not fully dealt with. And that's what Jesus is coming to do on the cross to deal with Adam's transgression. To deal with this original sin of mankind and the, and the problem. Listen, if you eat of the tree, Adam, you'll surely die. And now that must be answered. That must be paid for. That must be atoned for. And through one man centered, sin entered the world and death. But, but he says here in Romans, through another man, through one other man, that the Bible says he can fix the problem. He can fix the transgression. He can pay for it and bring life to mankind. And his righteousness can stop this problem of sin. Yeah, you ought to clap. And so Jesus has come to fix that which is broken. He has been fully obedient and able to, 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 to ask the Father forgiveness, which is taking place right from the very beginning. Go to the next slide. I think it's number 10. You go to the next one. He's fully able to ask forgiveness on behalf of man. That's what he's doing. That's where the arrow's going. The Father's sending it down here to Jesus, telling him what he needs to do to fulfill the end of the covenant. Jesus is now praying back to the Father, and now he's praying back to the Father. Oh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he's praying on behalf of you and me, folks. He's dealing with this sin in Christ Jesus. Amen? So that we won't be held captive anymore. Hallelujah. Son, you must go. You must rectify the problem. You must pay for the original sin that, 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 that has come and sprung out. Let me give you an example like this. Go to the next slide. Let's say this. God had a Bentley from long, long ago. And God put that Bentley in the garden. This is not my example, by the way. I took it from somebody else. <laughs> It was so good. And God had a Bentley in the garden. And God had it in the garage in the Garden of Eden. And he said, Adam, of everything in the garden you can take and you can, you can touch, but don't touch my Bentley. For in the day that you touch it, you will surely die. But Eve loves the color red. And Eve peeks into the garage. And he says, look at those soft leather seats in that Bentley. And the old serpent comes slipping away over there and says, oh man, you, but, but if you could just hear the, you, you, you've never heard the engine roar. Oh Eve, look at it. You just, 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 you, you know, just, just go ahead, sit inside of it, feel the steering wheel. And so Eve comes to Adam and says, Adam, could we not just take it for a little spin around the garden? We can go around the garden, we can get back, put it in the garage, and God will never know what happened. But Adam's never driven a car before. And so Adam gets behind the wheel and Adam takes 
the car and he doesn't know that it, that it, the speed of the car or, or, or how to handle it. And so he goes around the first curve and he goes around the second curve and he comes around the third curve and all of a sudden he doesn't see that tree there and he smacks the tree and he wrecks the Bentley. And so now they push the car back into the garden or back into the midst of the garage and in between the trees and, the, and, and it's busted. It's, it's broken here now. And it's absolutely, there's nothing they can do. Go to the next slide. And so now it's broken. And God, what did God say? If you, break, if you break that, you'll be cast outside of the garden. And so now they're cast outside of the garden. And, 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 and that's broken left inside of there. And, no, and, and they can't pay for it. They can't get it fixed. And so, so, so something's got to take place there. And, and, and somebody's got to come and offer forgiveness. And that's what it said about original sin. It has to be answered. Adam's transgression uh, is a word, parabasis, uh, and, it, and it's an act which is excessive and, and uh, the transgression of a commandment distinctly given is more serious than the other word there, homotea, which means to miss the mark. And it means it's so serious that it has opened the door to a plethora of sins. All the sins of the world today came from that original transgression that took place there. And so sin, because of this, the next slide, sin was passed on to all mankind because of Adam and Eve's transgression, the Bible says, and there's no way that mankind can go back and rectify that problem or, or do anything about it. And so, since that begins to take place, the Bible says that Jesus now comes and He repairs the Bentley. He comes and look at the next slide. He comes and He takes care of the car and He restores it back to pristine condition because He has been fully obedient and He says, now Father, I've been obedient I fixed the problem on the cross. I rectified the problem. I fixed it back to exactly the way it was. The exact same way we were in the beginning. Before Adam and Eve sinned and transgressed. I took care of it. I paid it completely. So now, Father, forgive them. And if God accepts this forgiveness, then we are able to participate back in a relationship with God. And he ends the reign of sin. And the father forgives them. And he cries, father forgive them for they do not know what they do. And there's a word, pecto, in the Greek for do. And it means like if I go down there and I snatch that notebook from Amber. And I, and I snatch it from her, and and and, and it means to uh, just to take in, and it, you know, and it, and it, uh, to, to to do a wrong action or to take something. But the word here, English, sometimes is so difficult because there's a couple of words that the Greek really have when it translates to English. So often we don't understand. Let me tell you what this word, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It's the word poyo, and it means this. It means an action that is taken, that is decided up on in the heart when it is taken. Then it produces something that when done, then takes on a life of its own. And that's called sin, my friend. What that action that he does and conjures up in the heart, 
When he does it, when Adam goes against the command of God, he set in motion something that that has caused uh, problems and produced something that took on a life of its own and caused sin to happen year after year after year and person after person after person. And that's what God has to come back on the cross. And that's why he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And when when, when God does that, he takes that and he stops that sin. He stops that thing where it had a life on its own because the only thing that can stop it is the righteousness of Jesus Christ that is now on the cross. Father, forgive them that action that produced such carnage from its inception. Forgive it all the way back to its inception. And obviously the father accepts it and he puts it into the covenant package. Go to the next slide. And that's what that is right there. He puts the covenant package that is available for you now with forgiveness inside. It's available to all of us now. You know, I couldn't forgive Daniel before, but now I can go. I'm bankrupt emotionally, but heaven is not bankrupt. And I can go to heaven and I can withdraw from heaven anytime I want it. God, I need forgiveness because you offered me forgiveness and I need forgiveness to forgive Daniel not three times seven times 490 times but a million times amen and go to the next slide and when we do that the Holy Spirit brings it to us every single time the Holy Spirit Jesus gives it to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit brings it to the millions of people on the face of the earth when you receive Christ you receive covenant and when you receive covenant you receive forgiveness and all the other things that are added into that covenant they are yours and mine in Christ Jesus we have this treasure now in earthen vessels we have Christ within us we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and he comes and deposits that forgiveness inside of our hearts. Amen? And millions over the centuries have been benefactors to that all over the world. Let me go to one last passage of Scripture found in Ephesians 4 and 32. And I want you to read it with me because this is a very, very important way to close. Found in Ephesians. And the Bible tells us there that we are to forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. You have been a recipient of major forgiveness. Billions and trillions and zillions of dollars of debt that you could not pay. The Father has offered and lavishly bestowed forgiveness upon the human race. And now He is saying to us that we are to forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. And when we do that, this forgiveness is part of the covenant and we can forgive a million times a day and we are bankrupt, but heaven isn't. And when you say you are forgiving, you release healing into the heart just like God released healing into our hearts when He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And we're able to say, He says, I forgive you. And in 1994, I came to an altar and I said, God, I don't know how my transgressions are so great, but if you will, 
still. I want that forgiveness. And I became a recipient of that forgiveness. And how now can I go out and not offer that same forgiveness to somebody else when God, for Christ's sake, forgave me? When you say you are forgiven, it releases healing into the heart. And you take that same forgiveness that was received and you now exercise it to others. God has supplied forgiveness in the covenant. First of all, that first sequential statement, we have to have forgiveness, Adam's race for that original sin. This is not some random statement when he's hanging there having this conversation with the Father on the cross. When he emerges with this first statement, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they do. They set something into motion and I'm stopping it all the way back there. And now nothing. No stronghold. No lust. No lie. No demon from hell. It's all been stopped by my righteousness. And now there's something new set into motion And now they are forgiven and they can forgive. Forgiveness isn't based upon us, but is based upon the work of God. And we are the recipients of what was broken by Adam. And now we're the recipients of the complete and total healing. That Bentley restored. That garden restored. Mankind now secured for us Not because of your good work or keeping the law. Secured for us on the cross by what He did. And what He paid for. And now the invitation today is for you. to He's offering forgiveness. He's offering forgiveness. To you and to me today. And so Father, we come today Lord and we just say. Lord if there's one person in this room. And they're just plagued by guilt and shame. They know. They know. They know as a result of the original sin that sin was passed on to mankind and death was passed on and we all became sinners by that one transgression, God. And Lord, we know what we've done. God, we have, we have sinned. We've wrecked the medley. We, we, we've, 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 done, we've done such damage that it's irreparable. And God, on that cross, in essence, You were forgiving every sin Of all people from past, present, and future. But God, you also were rectifying that original sin where it all began. You were chopping the head off of it back in the garden. Where it all sprang to life from there. And by one man's disobedience came death. And now through another man came and came mercy and came forgiveness, God. And receive our salvation not by works, but by faith through grace. It's a gift. It's a gift, Ephesians 2 tells us. It's a gift. And God, in that gift is forgiveness now. In that gift, the first thing I received in salvation within this covenant, God, was forgiveness. What a great God. I received forgiveness for my trespasses, for my sins. And Lord, next week we're going to see immediately we're rectified back like we were in that garden, in that Edenic relationship today, now, because of this, because of this forgiveness. You can be with me in paradise. 
back with my presence, my vision, my power all the time. And even when you're walking through this earth and I feel a million miles from you, I'm there with you. I'll be with you, low, always, even to the ends of the earth. And, and where I am, there you may be also. And, and I'll be with you there until I bring you to where I am. And so God, uh, God, we thank you that the Holy Spirit brings this from heaven to us, God, and gives us this covenant. We receive it. And God, we have forgiveness. And today, if there's one person God, who is carrying the shame of sin and the shame of regret and the shame of Adam's race, of uh, falling short of the glory of God. They've never repented of their sins. They've never asked for you to forgive them. They've never received the gift of eternal life and of forgiveness, God. Do that today. May you do that, God, in their heart. And that's the first kindness in their life. If there's somebody that needs forgiveness here, the offer of forgiveness is available. And then secondly, Lord, that, 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 that there is an invitation here that some need to extend forgiveness to their brother or their sister in Christ. Some need. Yeah, the emotions haven't quite caught up yet because we're still upset about the kick in the leg. But because of what's available in heaven now, I can forgive in my heart. I can truly forgive in my heart and say, you are forgiven, brother. You are forgiven, sister. I offer forgiveness based on Christ forgiven me and so God there's some that need to write the letter this week there's some that need to make the phone call there's some that need to forgive in their hearts God they need to release this and God they need to pray one great way to do that is to start praying for that person God and 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 God and 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 asking for your grace and your help God heaven is never bankrupt of this and so we thank you for it in Jesus name